Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. As coaches, I think it's our jobs to adapt so that they can have success. And, you know, going back to foundations of coaching, I think that is something that I want to be known for is being able to assess the player for where he is, what can he do, and then be able to find that role that they can be successful in. And if not, you know, maybe we need to do something else or maybe we need to look at things in a different perspective. But having those conversations is is important. And I, I also think being able to have a little bit of autonomy is good because for the player, it gives them to buy in and it makes the defense theirs, which is what you want. Today we share part two of our conversation with Jeff Howard, defensive backs coach and pass game coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. In part one, we talked about his climb from high school to college to the NFL and the learning and networking that made it possible. We dove into his mindset as a coach, teaching, and his practice and game day routines. In part two, we talk about defending intent, his view on drills, and what he wants to accomplish, player feedback, coaching versus criticism, and coordinating the back end of the defense. And we're going to start with talking about an idea he brought up yesterday in part one, defending intent. You've talked a few times about defending intent, and you guys are facing the best play callers in the game. You look at a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan and all of these different guys you got to face who do all kinds of different things and motions and shifts and, you know, whatever it might be, those guys are really trying to mask their intent. So how do you boil that down? How do you say, hey, this is what I'm really going to look at. This is what intent means, defending intent means. It's really having a situational focus of the game, really trying to identify who are you playing? What are they trying to get done? When I first got into the league, I would say for the most part, offenses have top concepts that they're trying to run. Like this is our offense. This is who we are. We'll dress it up this way and that way with different motion shifts. And you have guys that are like that now, but you also have guys that are attacking you. So they're seeing what you were in and then trying to put their, whether by play call or by schemes, adjustments, trying to put their guys to really attack you. That's kind of always the hard thing to break down is who are you facing? What are they trying to do? And I think breaking it down by situation, I think you can kind of see that when you're watching tape, breaking that stuff down. And that's kind of the way that we talk about it. So it's really identifying those situations, communicating the expectations to the players. You know, what are we trying to accomplish when we get into these situations? Let's identify them. And then what are we trying to get done in them? And then plan for success putting them in the right scheme, right personnel grouping, right guys on the field at the right places so that we can be successful in kind of win the down. I talk to Bob Wiley all the time, and he mentions a quote and something from Paul Brown, you know, working with the, the Bengals. He was able to hear from Paul Brown. Paul Brown would say it's about 
getting it from the chalkboard to the grass and all the things we do as a coach there really doesn't matter how much we know or what we've done in the classroom if it doesn't translate to, to playing time so it's important how we put those things together so let's start with this one if coach Stefanski said we got one period of individual today what's the one drill you would you would use and what would it be why would you do it that's a tough question because I'm a drill guy I like doing I do all different kinds of stuff so I'm always trying to think of what are the keys that my guys need to be able to do individually, like as far as tackling, you know, block destruction, pedaling, all that. But then also like through the scheme that they're in, like, are they, you know, a middle field safety? Are they a third corner? Are they third corner press? And then be able to work all that. So I like to do all that. I think for one drill, I'd say for the safeties, it'd probably be our middle field safety drill. And for the corners, it'd probably be our press release drills. I think those are kind of two skills that I like teaching and I think are are super important. But as far as the middle field safety drill, I think that's something that came about the last couple of years. It's really trying to give them all the different things that could happen to them and then letting them process it all out. So what I mean by that is I'll set out five cans. I'll be the quarterback, have a running back. And then what we set up is he'll be 15 yards, cleats in the grass in the middle field, and we have a donut that simulates like a quick game slant. I have a bag that's set up off a hash that simulates kind of a drift route or a dig route. And then the deepest is going to be end up being a post. And so what I end up doing is going through kind of their reads off the quarterback. Could have an offensive lineman, you know, simulate high hat, low hat, but then have them go through their reads. So it's a run. What do you do? Where's your fit? It's quick game slant, footwork, get out the break, eyes before feet, match the angle. Drift route, all right, quick five play action. All right, you're going to be in your pedal, breaking inside out, trying to hit it top shoulder. And then lastly, you know, deep five play action or, you know, seven step drop and we're taking away the post. And the first time I go through the drill, I like to, I want them to know what's happening so that they can rehearse it clean, exactly how it works. And then from there, we give a mixed practice and uh, I won't tell them what the read is and we'll go off of that. But I I like doing drills like that, where it's so hard to simulate team drills, but as much as you can, try to do that with each of the positions. So where are their eyes at? What are they looking at? And then kind of the things that they can go from there and then how do they react? I love that. And thank you for that explanation. I think when you put a drill together and you know as a coach you got to make those decisions what are we going to do in practice and the ones that really can give that context to the game and force them to use their full menu of decisions that they have I think those are some of the best drills of course you can't always start there you have to you know season starts you're Mm going to do some simpler things but you build up to you know in this drill we're accomplishing so much I think that's how you're efficient especially as the season rolls on yeah absolutely and that's something that I've always thought about, you know, even as a player, it's kind of, you know, people talk about instincts or, you know, you sit in a meeting and people are judging players or they're talking about players and they're like, he has instincts or he doesn't have instincts. Well, to me, it's like, it's a coachable process. It's basically, do they have a plan? Do they have a set plan for where their eyes are? And then do they know their reactions off of it? If that player does this, what do you do? If that player does this, what do you do? And that's something that I think, that type of stuff, that technique stuff, I, I really, those conversations with players are so infinitely important. You know, as far as safety play, I've probably taken as much information from, you know, working with Harrison Smith as many years as I did in Minnesota as anybody. And it would be funny how he would ask questions 
you know, we would install a coverage or a, a new a new coverage concept. But his the way his mind works, it was always it was always like staying ahead of the problem. And if I didn't present him with all the answers, he would always want them. So it was a great learning experience for me as far as I should be thinking like that. I need to be because not all my players are going to be able to think like this. They're not going to be able to think about the way that he thinks, you know, perennial pro bowler. But that's the way he thinks. I need to be able to translate it to a guy who can't. And so it's it's that process. I try to simplify it, communicate it to him effectively where it's kind of like, hey, your eyes are here. If he does this, then you do this. And now the next part of it, if the next guy does this, then you do this. But training those reactions, telling them what the reactions are so that they can process it in the meeting room, and then being able to set up drills so that they can go out and practice it, and then you know, ultimately in a team setting, being able to translate that across. Yeah, I think that instincts, I don't really like that word. I kind of like, what's the process? Do they have a mental process, and can we coach them? And I think you can yeah, I love your idea, too, about getting feedback. I think that's so important as a coach. I know when you're younger in your career and you're just trying to get things done, you're learning it, too. But you're you're usually not. You're the least open to feedback, it seems, then, right? Because you want to be the guy who's right mm-hmm. all the time. But, you know, for me, mm-hmm. in the process of, of really, you know, honing my craft as a coach, it was getting to the point where, you know, guys, let's – talk about things, you know, what you're the guys who got to mm-hmm. do it out on the field, not me. I'm watching film or drawing it up on the board. You guys make it come mm-hmm. alive. So just because I said it this way, you feel something might work out better, differently. Let's talk about it. Maybe your idea is right. And at the very least, I think when you have those conversations, mm-hmm. whoever's right, it brings out a better understanding of this is how we do it best. Yeah, absolutely. I think the best idea is the one you know, obviously we spent so much more time than players do on this stuff. I think we have a great understanding of it. But if you have a guy in there and he has a different perspective, because a lot of the time I think things that work in the classroom, you know, we don't have that that time clock that they have right. out on the field. And some, sometimes they feel that and may or may not be able to get something done. And, you know, as coaches, I think it's our jobs to adapt so that they can have success. And, you know, going back to foundations of coaching, I think that is something that I want to be known for is being able to assess a player for where he is, what can he do, and then be able to find that role that they can be successful in. And if not, you know, maybe we need to do something else or maybe we need to look at things in a different perspective. But having those conversations is is important. And I, I also think being able to have a little bit of autonomy is good because for the player, it gives them to buy in and it makes the defense theirs, which is what you want. Cause ultimately as coaches, we're never, we're not going to be the ones out on the field. They are. Mm-hmm. So they need to know that it's, it's their scheme. It's their technique. This is who we are and we're going to execute at a high level. And we're going to go out and be successful, but they have to be able to buy into it. And I think being able to have a little bit of autonomy on some of the smaller things can prove to be positive for your organization. Absolutely. You know, you said earlier, don't don't say it in five words when it can be said in three. The coaching cues, the buzzwords we use in the military, they call it brevity code, right? That if we can be very concise with how we coach our players, that's communicated quicker and that understanding that, you know, you all bring into it because that system of terminology has been taught just makes things easier out on the field, easier in practice when things 
are moving fast, easier on game day. And I did hear Coach Callahan and Coach Peters speak at the Cool Clinic, and I thought, man, what they're doing with just the system, the code coding they've developed for all they do in their strikes, their their punches on pass pro and their sets on pass pro, just so forward thinking. In fact, I, I recommended it to a defensive line coach the other day. I said, no, you don't coach offensive line, but this kind of could apply to you too and think about how you can be efficient in your language, right? I think it's so important. That's, that's from being an English teacher as well for 10 years. I really mm-hmm. feel the language in is important when you look at what you do what are those buzzwords or cues that your players hear again and again and again you know from a technique standpoint i want them to be able to own it so i want them to be able to say it back to me as far as techniques moves it's kind of like the more that you can have a word that explains each and every thing that you're trying to get done it makes communication so much easier and it, it helps them to like process it in their mind organize their thoughts so it's not just actions, you know, and it means it's like having a word attached to it drives communication. And I think communication drives knowledge. So I think that's super important. We do it, you know, I do it culturally in the room. You know, there's certain things that we say that we're going to drive home every single day as far as who we are culturally, who do we, who do we want to be? And then the same thing is in technique with that. It's so big, you know, because coaching the back end, you know, it's going to be different for a safety as a corner. You know, even in in press technique, we're going to have certain code words. You want to line head up. We're going to take a, a read step, and then we're going to step to kick, and we're going to win. Win on the nine. All right. So all our guys know if you get outside release, we're winning on the nine. Like that's what we're going to do. Period. So that's kind of like code talk for winning on the vertical route. But that's kind of all over our defense, and we kind of build it into what it is other thing for the corners if you get any type of one under concept so you know whether it's a hitch a smash a crash how you handle that in zone coverage but we try to tie it into their language so that the language of the word tells them what their footwork should be so if you get a you know a one under route that you should do this so we have one trigger word that ends up telling them you got three crossovers to a tight shuffle so as soon as you see that happens and we say this word, you're going to scream it to the entire defense. And that also tells you what your footwork should be and where your eyes should go. But I think triggering those process and having communication really kind of drives that, allows guys to play fast, which is what we all ultimately want. Yeah, definitely. I love the point that you want them to be able to communicate it too. I think that ability to self-correct, right? Whatever sport you're in, those guys, yeah, you might adjust in between series, but man, they need to understand, mm-hmm. hey, hey, here's what I felt. Here's what it was there in their head. Mm-hmm. They hear that word. They know what they're going to fix too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then also like being able to communicate what the opponent's doing. So mm-hmm. whether that's a route tree, it's a route, what's a release, identifying those differences in the release types and the different routes so that you can communicate to them and that they can on the sideline know what it is. And then also that, that you can play with anticipation. I think it's a it's a smart man's game. I don't mean that like you don't need a bunch of geniuses out on the field, but I think guys that can process information are the players that can play at a high level. And I think being able to set a framework with language helps those guys do that. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, if they're using the language, it's, you know, and as much as technique too, but like culturally, yeah, are they buying into the buzzwords of who you want to be as a team? And when they're using it, that's when that's when you know it's powerful. Definitely. So, you know, looking again at the, at the language, how you do things, what's the key to giving feedback that produces 
a positive change in performance? So in our room, we talk about building trust daily, and that's one of those code words kind of tying into our last topic, but building trust daily. And I want to build trust daily with them, and they're going to build trust daily with me. And what that means is I'm in a position that I'm going to correct them, but they need to know that what's my intent, what's my purpose behind it. So something that I try to break out early on, something that I thought about in the past is the difference between coaching versus criticism. And I think it's very important to identify that and define that for your players because they live in a world of social media. And in that world of social media, I think people who have the quick-witted response or that are quick to, you know, criticize, to look cool, I think they, do, they deal in that world a lot. Mm-hmm. Some coaching comments – that they could be, they could take that in a defensive manner, and you want to always make sure that that wall is broken down. So when we're talking about building trust daily, I want them to know the difference between coaching and criticism. And I, I talk to them about like coaching to me is coaching the O, and coaching is for others. So you're other centered. So I'm telling you this because I ultimately want you to be successful. So I'm going to give you a feedback. I'm going to give you a cue so that you can be better at it. Now I might be firm. I'm. I might be more firm in some situations than others, but ultimately my intent is to make you better. I'm a better coach when you're a better player compared to criticism. Like to me, criticism is I like the I and criticism is defining because someone's giving you that comment, but they're trying to make themselves look better. And that's not what we're trying to do in the room at all. And I think whenever you, you define it that way for, for guys, then it, it, it takes the edge off so that they know like, Hey, when this coach is telling me, you know, whether it's in the moment and it's, you know, it's, it's, we're loud, it's whatever. He's got my back. He's looking out for me and just being able to bridge that conversation. But I think defining that for those guys early on really kind of helps out. So coach, you talked earlier about all these guys who bring ideas to the room, different ideas, a ton of knowledge on your staff, you know, mention you guys do a little bit of everything, but for you, you know, how do you bring that together? To coordinate means to bring it together. It doesn't mean that you're the dictator or the most knowledgeable guy. It's that you're going to be the guy who can really filter this and put it together in the plan that everybody can execute, you know, taking some of the those best ideas, but making sure you have the consistency that your players can execute. I think being able to communicate with your staff is important. So going into meetings, making sure everybody understands, knows that they have a voice and and then from there, just being able to talk, talk through it, having that dialogue where people can express themselves, express their, you know, their vision, maybe show, you know, what they've studied, how they, they see an opponent and how do they talk through what it is that we're going to do. And then how does that fit into bigger picture, who we are, who have we been and what have we put reps on up until that point? So we don't want to get too far from our identity, our situational identity, our coverage's identity, but we can make those adjustments and making sure guys are able to be able to communicate that. And then being able to have the foresight of understanding you make one adjustment, how does that affect everybody else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really just being thorough in that process and really trying to think through it as a group and then kind of going back and double checking yourself on it. You guys at your level have a, a ton of information coming in. Everybody's breaking down things, giving you that data given you the analytics for you what are the top three things you feel must be done every week in your breakdown and your preparation i think we want to communicate expectations identify who it is we're playing identify what we're doing communicate that effectively 
and kind of give them a vision for how, how we perceive things going. And then talk them through how we plan to ex- execute and then give out the plan for success. And I think that's so important. I think in this game, I think, especially in the NFL, every team is given very similar resources. And it's kind of like, how are you going to end up, how are you going to do better than others? So be being economic uh, mm-hmm. with your time as well as your manpower so that you can get get all that accomplished, be able to practice it, get uh, get it taught, and uh, be able to execute on the field. But in the passing game, we, you know, we're situationally focused, so we're going to identify those situations on the field, you know, whether it's base down, third down, two-minute, red zone. And we have set things that we want to make sure to get accomplished in that. And then we go through the specifics of that look like, what are the tactics, what are the, the schemes that we're going to do to be able to get that accomplished. For you, when you're looking at, how much goes into the game plan. And this is something I talk about with coordinators all the time. How much are you able to give them? How much can you share before it slows them down because they're overburdened with the information? That's something that we all have to focus on. But before that, I think choosing players that can process information is so important. So being able to, we want guys that can you know, process a lot of information and through the scouting process, we do that. But then, like you said, I think you have to be empathetic to their process, particularly on in between the lines, like on the field, especially with the speed of things. So you always want to make sure that they have enough information that they can be successful, but not so much so that it's burning down and wearing them down. And I think you can get a feel for that through practice. Mm-hmm. As you're practicing new concepts, working through the game plan, you know, there's been times when we've gotten to halfway through the week or to the end of the week and it's kind of like man this seems heavy grammatically what we're trying to ask the guys to do I don't know if we're going to be able to execute at a high level and then we tailor it back but I think being able to have that feel and uh, have that empathy for the situation and knowing that it's not just like hey this is what we said we're going to run it (laughs) being able to work and adjust that plan is important but I want our guys to be able to play fast. And I know as a, as a staff, we, it's very important for our guys to play. We want our guys to be able to play fast. And so being able to adjust that, we always have that in mind, kind of in the back of our minds is, you know, what is enough and what is too much. When you're looking ahead, right, Bill Walsh, big believer in, in planning for all contingencies, right? So how much of your time is spent each week, whether it's it's you and the staff talking about it or maybe working some of it out on the field. How much do you plan ahead for the adjustments, for the what-ifs? We're going to focus on what teams do the majority of the time. So when we go out and practice and we game plan, we're going to do that against things that we think are going to you know, have a high percentage of likelihood. You can't always tell that. But then you're also aware as you, when you're going through the game planning process of anything that could cause issues and being able to address it. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much time you spend on that, because like I said, you're only given so much time. Mm-hmm. I think you address it maybe in the meeting room, but you might not uh, might put it in a, in a walkthrough, but you might not get a practice rep with it. But I think putting it in their minds is something. So it's kind of like levels of importance. Right. You know, the main things we're going to try to stress in the meeting room, show a lot of clips of we're going to walk through it. We're going to go through it in individual and then in the team segments, we're going to go and then we're going to hit it. We're going to hit it again and again and again, you know, the contingencies, the things that are, you know, low likelihood, you know, we'll, we'll address, but you might not see as much invested into it, but that's kind of, that's the game within the game. You know, you always want to, what what is it you think your guys are going to see and then try to make them stress that the most. 
Coach, I really appreciate your time and detail into the questions I had for you today. I got one last one. And when you look at all the things you do, and you, you've mentioned a lot of great things here, on or off the field, what's the one thing you do as a coach that you feel gives your players the winning edge? You know, when you when you talk about the winning edge, for me as a coach, I, I think it's something that, you know, Coach Woods has stressed for with our defense, and it's something that I firmly believe in, and, and that is we talk about we're going to play fast, we're going to play physical, and we're going to play together. When I say play fast, is we're going to be trained. So we're going to be focused on the process. We're going to go through the process. We're going to be detail-oriented through that process. And that's going to allow us to play fast. We're not going to play with confused. We're going to play focused. And then the other thing is we're going to play physical. And it's not just like the physicality of the game. Like, yes, we want to do that. But we're also going to be able to put it out on the line. You know, when we get it put in a stressful spot, you know, out there competing, we're going to put it on the out on the line. We're going to play physical one another. We're going to have that mindset. And then last thing is is playing together. And, you know, it's a team game. Teams win championships, and it's about all of us. We're going to build trust daily with one another, and at the end of the day, we're going to be able to count on one another when it matters most. So I think that winning edge is something as simple as, you know, play fast, play physical, and play together. And that's something that we break out at as a unit quite a bit of the time, and it's something that's kind of foundational to who we are in the defensive back room uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some thoughts with us here today. I can say that I will definitely be watching the Browns, being a Clevelander myself, grew up a Browns fan and still am. So I'm excited for what you guys are going to do this season and best of luck to you and the Cleveland Browns. Thank you so much, Keith. I appreciated that. And to all your listeners, I appreciate you guys listening. You know, if there's ever anything that I can do to help out, you know, I appreciate what, what coaches do. They've had a positive impact on my life and you know i know they're you guys have a positive impact on the youth of our our country so i appreciate your time and thanks again